You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more. So you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Workers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Tuesday, September 27th, 2022. Coming up this hour. U.S. futures rise following the lowest close for the S&P 500 in almost two years. Despite the market turmoil, Fed officials remain hawkish in their fight against inflation. Double Line Capital's Jeffrey Gunlack thinks the worst global bond route in decades may be over. And traders increase bets the pound could fall to parity with the dollar. Hurricane Ian is gaining strength as it heads toward Florida. Plus, we've learned that it was a small tornado that touched down late Sunday on Long Island. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanshaw in sports. The Giants suffered their first loss. The Yankees lost in extra innings in Toronto. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. And good morning. I'm Karen Moscow. I'm Nathan Hager. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by SEI. Built on advanced technologies and 50 years of innovation, SEI offers asset managers a comprehensive and flexible operations outsourcing platform. Go to SEIC.com slash managers. And U.S. stock index futures are on the rise this morning at 6.01 on Wall Street. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 27 points. Dow futures up 153. And NASDAQ futures up 112. 10-year Treasury up 23.30 seconds, yield 3.83%. Nathan. Karen, the rise in futures this morning follows the lowest close for the S&P 500 since December of 2020. 10-year Treasury yields are holding near their highest level since 2010, while the dollar has snapped a five-day gain. Still, Daniel Girard, multi-asset strategist at State Street, sees more strength ahead for the dollar. As we get more bad news, that's going to really hit the, the earnings growth and the earnings growth potential margins, etc. And there just isn't, um, there aren't a lot of good stories to find out here. And I think that we're, you know, in a, in a relative world, we've got to do our best. But um, U.S. dollar looks like the uh, the asset to hold right now. Well, State Street's Daniel Gerard also favors equities over bonds going forward. Well, as fears of a global recession continue to swirl, Nathan, we have a couple more bearish calls on equities this morning. And we get the details from Bloomberg's Lisa Mateo. Goldman Sachs and BlackRock are both warning that markets are yet to price in the risk of a global recession. Goldman strategists flagging rising real yields as a major headwind cut equities to underweight in the U.S. investment bank's global allocation over the next three months. It's staying overweight in cash. 
Meantime, BlackRock is advising investors to shun most stocks. It says that it is tactically underweight developed market shares and prefers credit in the short term. In New York, Lisa Mateo, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Lisa, thank you. The turmoil in markets shows little sign of turning Fed officials away from hawkish policy. Boston Fed President Susan Collins and her Cleveland counterpart Loretta Mester say additional tightening is still needed to slow inflation. Here's Collins in her first public speech since taking office. Returning inflation to our 2% target will require further tightening of monetary policy as signaled in the recent FOMC projections. It will be important to see clear and convincing signs that inflation is falling. At the same time, Boston Fed President Susan Collins says it's quite likely inflation may have peaked. Well, there's at least one major investor who thinks the worst global bond route in decades is creating a buying opportunity, Nathan. In a tweet, Double Line Capital's Jeffrey Gunlog says, quote, the U.S. Treasury bond market is rallying. He says he's been buying. The British pound is stronger today, Karen, after it hit a record low Monday. Still, traders are increasing bets sterling could fall to parity with the dollar. Let's go to London and get the latest with Bloomberg's U.N. Potts. Good morning, Karen and Nathan. The pound and gilt recovering some ground today after that historic sell-off. Sterling rallying after collapsing to a record low against the dollar on Monday. But UK markets still vulnerable after the plunge that followed when new Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng unveiled the country's biggest fiscal giveaway in half a century. He's set to meet top bankers later today. It may not be the warm reception that he was originally hoping for. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ewan, thanks. In Asia overnight, stocks traded slightly higher despite yesterday's sell-off in the U.S. And we get the recap from Bloomberg's Juliet Sally in Singapore. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, Karen. A gauge of the region's equities fluctuated as shares edged higher in Japan and Australia, while Hong Kong stocks traded at an 11-year low. Bonds remained under pressure in Australia and Japan, where the yield on the 20-year topped 1% for the first time since 2015, prompting the Bank of Japan to announce another unscheduled bond-buying operation, this time at the long end. In Singapore, Juliet Sali, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Juliet, thanks. Back here in the U.S., gasoline prices have fallen from their peak this summer, but they are still weighing on the White House. And that has President Biden sending a message to fuel companies. The companies running gas stations are setting those prices on the pump, bringing down the prices you're charging in the pump to reflect the cost you pay for the product. Do it now. President Biden spoke at a meeting of his White House Competition Council. Oil prices fell more than 9% last month. Gas has followed suit, but the president says prices are uneven across the country, especially in the West due to low refining capacity. And checking oil prices now, NYMEX crude is up 1.2% or 89 cents at $77.60 a barrel. Brent is higher by 1.4% at $85.22. Meantime, on Capitol Hill, Nathan, the possibility of a government shutdown looms this week, and now Senate Democrats have released a short-term funding bill to try to avoid a shutdown. Bloomberg's Amy Morris has the details from our 99.1 newsroom in Washington. The bill would keep the government open through December 16th. It includes a measure that will speed up energy project permits, something that's opposed by Republicans and some Democrats. Congress can strip that out if it's a deal breaker. It provides $12.4 billion in Ukraine aid. It includes $2 billion for disaster aid and another billion dollars for home heating assistance. It allows the FDA to collect user fees for five years to prevent a funding shortfall at the Food and Drug Administration. Congress must pass the measure by midnight Friday. 
In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Amy, thank you. And in corporate news, a Biogen whistleblower will collect almost $250 million for exposing a kickback scheme. The company agreed to resolve the matter by paying the U.S. and state governments $900 million. The False Claims Act allows individuals to sue on behalf of the U.S. and get a cut of any money recovered. And futures this morning are on the rise. S&P futures up 30 points, Dow futures up 171, and NASDAQ futures up 119. 10-year Treasury up 23.30 seconds, yield 3.82%, and the yield on the two-year, 4.25%. And straight ahead, we have your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. All right, Karen, thank you. It's 607 on Wall Street, 61 degrees in Central Park. Still got problems getting to JFK Airport. Eastbound Nassau Expressway has got an accident at the Van Wick. More coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Michael? Thank you very much, Nathan. Hurricane Ian is gaining strength on a path toward Florida. It is threatening to become the worst storm to hit Tampa in over a century. The National Hurricane Center says Ian is now a Category 3 storm. Mandatory evacuations are in parts of Florida. State Emergency Management Director Kevin Guthrie is in Pinellas County. We do have telephone companies on standby ready to restore critical cellular service if power is lost. But in the meantime, Florida should be prepared to have a communications plan in place with their families. Bloomberg meteorologist Rob Carolyn has the latest on Ian. Michael Hurricane Ian made landfall over western Cuba earlier this morning as a major hurricane with sustained winds of 115 miles an hour. It'll reemerge in the eastern Gulf of Mexico later this morning and then re-strengthen and work its way up towards the Tampa area. Looks like it'll be making landfall somewhere in Pinellas County late Wednesday night or early Thursday morning. And the problem with the storm is it'll be very strong at that time. It's also going to stall out. And it looks like it is going to rake the Tampa area for uh, maybe 24 to 36 hours with high winds, heavy rain, and storm surges. Michael? Rob, thank you, sir. We're learning that a small tornado touched down on Long Island last Sunday night. The National Weather Service says an EF0 twister hit part of Suffolk County around 11 p.m. They say the tornado had an estimated peak wind of 75 miles per hour when it hit the town of Matatuck. No serious damage. Five days after President Vladimir Putin announced a partial mobilization to call up hundreds of thousands of reservists to fight in Ukraine, the move continues to trigger outrage protests across Russia. It has also led to an exodus of men of fighting age from the country and acts of violence. NASA deliberately crashed a DART spacecraft into the small moon of an asteroid seven million miles away from Earth in an attempt to change its orbit. Planetary scientist Emily Lakadawa says this is the first time that humans have altered the path of another object in the solar system. While this one poses no threat to us, it does give us the uh, first experience in understanding how we could prevent a you know, a civilization-devastating threat if discovered in the future. Planetary scientist Emily Lagdwala says it will take NASA a couple of months to determine exactly how much the asteroid's path was changed. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Thank you, Michael.
Almost 610 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stanchow. All right, Nathan, the Giants were looking for their first 3-0 start since 2009 when Saquon Barkley scored on a 36-yard run in the third quarter. The Giants had a seven-point lead, but Dallas scored the next 17. The Cowboys won 23-16, and both teams are 2-1. and one. Big Blue done in by a familiar problem, the inability to protect the quarterback. Daniel Jones was sacked, hit, or at least harassed. Over 20 times, Jones' coach is Brian Dayball. I thought he did a good job. I thought he made a lot of loose plays. I don't know he had, what, about 80 yards rushing. I thought he did a good job keeping his eyes downfield when he could get out. You know, he made a couple plays there at the end, you know, that we couldn't quite convert on. Hit some drop passes. Um, you know, the last play that, that Diggs picked off, Sills fell down, and he, it was a timing throw. That was the interception that sealed the win for the Cowboys. It was the only turnover of the night. And on that play, Sterling Shepard suffered what looks like a serious knee injury. Or perhaps season ending the wideout, the longest tenured giant. He's made it back from an Achilles injury last year. The NFL announced no more Pro Bowl. They'll play a flag football game, have a skills competition instead. In Toronto, the champagne that was in the Yankee locker room will have to wait to be popped open. The Yanks did not clinch the AL East. Had a 2-0 lead, but lost in 10 innings, 3-2. It ends the Yanks' seven-game winning streak. It's the sixth straight game where Aaron Judge has failed a homer. So his mother, Roger Maris Jr., Back again tonight to see if Judge hits home run number 61 to Ty Maris. Atlanta won 8 nothing at Washington, so with eight games to go, the Braves are one game behind the Mets, who host Miami tonight. They go to Atlanta this weekend, and that will obviously go a long way towards deciding who wins the NL East. John Stash, our Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? All right, John, thanks. Futures are moving higher. The British pound at 1.0785 against the dollar. We talk currencies next with Jane Foley of Robobank. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunshine in low 70s today. We'll get down to the mid-50s tonight. It'll be sunny with a high near 70 tomorrow. Upper 60s, mostly sunny on Thursday. Right now, 61 degrees in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. Hi, I'm Karen Moscow, and global markets do remain on edge as investors brace for a heightened risk of global recession, even as dip buyers are emerging. U.S. stock index futures, they're higher, led by technology. NASDAQ futures, they're jumping up 127 points, up 1.1% right now. S&P futures up 31, and Dow futures up 189. The DAX in Germany is up three-tenths of a percent. The 10-year Treasury up 25, 30 seconds, yield 3.82%. And the yield on the two-year, 4.24%. NYMEX crude oil is up 1.4% of $1.09 at $77.80 a barrel. COMEX gold up half percent or $8.30 at $16.41.70 an ounce. The euro, 0.9620 against the dollar. British pound is at 1.08. And the yen, 144.34. And looking at Bitcoin, it's up 5.8% now at $20,200. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Hurricane Ian makes landfall in Cuba on route to Florida's west coast. Ian is a Category 3 storm and is forecast to grow into a Category 4 with top winds of 140 miles an hour. In Japan, world leaders and members of the public are paying tribute to former President Shinzo Abe assassinated in July, but thousands are protesting the large-scale state funeral, saying taxpayers' dollars should be used instead 
to address widening economic disparities they say were caused by Abe's policies. In Monday Night Football, the Giants lost to the Cowboys 23-16. In baseball, the Yankees lost to the Blue Jays in 10 innings, 3-2. Aaron Judge still stuck at 60 home runs as he chases Roger Maris' 61 AL record. The Orioles beat the Red Sox 14-8. The Nationals lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Michael. Thank you. We're at 619 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. We want to take a focus now on the currency markets, particularly after the wild moves we have seen in the pound over the last couple of days. Joining us now is Jane Foley, the head of FX Strategy at Rabobank. Jane, it's great to speak with you once again as we watch the pound now headed for its biggest rally in months, but that's coming off its all-time low, now at a 108 handle. What is the risk that you see for the pound falling to parity against the dollar? I think it's far greater than it was just a week ago, and that is because um, of the budget and the quarter market's reaction to the budget that we had in the UK on uh, Friday. We've got to remember, although sterling has bounced off you know, its all-time low, it, it's still considerably weaker than it was just a few weeks ago. It was trading above at 120 not so long ago. And of course, the factors that drove those gyrations over the last few sessions essentially remain in place. Uh, that the, the government has um, really damaged its credibility in terms of its fiscal policies. And at the same time, what's been driving sterling lower all year in terms of lack of growth, recessionary fears, low productivity, lack of investment, they're all factors which remain very much in place. Are you expecting more volatility then when the chancellor uh, goes before uh, financial leaders later today? I, I think that's almost inevitable. I think we're going to have volatility you know, for some time. I mean, volatility in FX has certainly been a, a theme this year, and I think it's, it can be associated very broadly with central banks, particularly the Fed, you know, lifting the comfort blanket of, of quantitative easing and, and tightening policy. And certainly in the UK, given the uncertainties that we have now in terms of debt, fiscal position, um, and, and also to the extent that the Bank of England may be hiking interest rates, coming on top of a cost of living crisis, coming on top of the fact that we've got this huge current account deficit too, they're all factors which all push together and indicate that further volatility is, 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 is likely to remain in place for some time. Now, we've heard from the Bank of England, of course, they're pledging to uh, change interest rates by as much as needed, kind of signaling that they might not necessarily step in and change interest rates before their next meeting. Do you think there needs to be more intervention from the BOE? Well, there's a difficulty here. Of course, we've got to remember that whilst the Bank of England has been hiking interest rates really since the end of last year, for most of that time, it's had very li limited effect in pushing sterling high. Now, of course, the strong dollar is, is part of that story. But, you know, investors' uh, perceptions of the UK, that the, the, the poor growth outlook, the high inflationary outlook, the low, the low productivity, all of these fundamentals have meant that sterling has not been very responsive to interest rate hikes. Now, had the Bank of England come out yesterday with an interest rate hike, as many investors thought they may have done, well, it would have potentially risked its credibility because had that not worked in stabilizing the pound, then the Bank of England could have found itself in a, in a cat and mouse game really with the markets, and, and that could have just impacted its credibility. So it's, it's, 
it's staying relatively calm. It's, it's trying to wait until it's November the 3rd scheduled policy meeting. But at that point, I think we can expect probably quite a hefty interest rate hike. In our last minute here, Jane, I'm curious to get your view on the euro now with a right-wing government set to take over in Italy. Well, indeed, the euro has certainly been under pressure too. I mean, Sterling has certainly uh, uh, taken a lot of attention, but the euro is certainly very, very soft. Now, the hawkish comments chief and the, the ECB in recent weeks have had some limited upside. Um, now, the markets will be watching politics, particularly in France going forward, because we've had Le Pen on the edges of, uh, of government almost uh, winning support really for a number of years. But what we must remember, though, is since Brexit, um, well, some of that uh, uh, anti-EU sentiment in the rest of Europe has dulled to some extent. We've got the euro uh, well below parity against the dollar at this point. Do you think it has further to go? And if so, how much? Well, our forecast has been around 95, and, and so we do think it could fall further. Um, gas supplies or gas storage is, is pretty good at the moment in Europe, but we've still got to face a winter. If the winter is cold, if they do have rationing, we could have a recession. You know, there are significant hurdles uh, to face for Europe, and at the same time, of course, uh, dollar strength is still there, and we think dollar strength could sustain for a good few months yet. And we've got a handle of uh, 96 for the euro against the dollar, 9625. Jane Foley, as always, great to get your thoughts on the currency market. Jane Foley, head of FX strategy at Rabobank. And checking the British pound once again after hitting that all-time low uh, overnight on uh, Monday morning, we are at uh, 1.0808 against the dollar. That is a gain of uh, 1.1% on the session. S&P futures are up 35 points. Dow futures are higher by 217 and NASDAQ futures leading the gains this morning up 139 points. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 11.30 weather, sunshine and low 70s today, down to the mid-50s tonight. It'll be sunny and a little cooler tomorrow, high near 70. Upper 60s, that's all we'll get Thursday. Right now, 61 in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 6.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow, and we're just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Time for the five things you need to know to start your day. And up first, global markets remain on edge as concerns swirl about a global recession. Futures are higher following the lowest close for the S&P 500 since December of 2020. Bonds remain under pressure from the worst sell-off in decades, with the 10-year Treasury yield hovering near the highest level since 2010. And the British pound is stronger today, Karen, after it hit a record low on Monday, but speculation are still betting that sterling will slide to a level that was virtually unthinkable in recent decades, a dollar or even less. Kid Jukes is chief FX strategist at Societe Generale. This is a loss of confidence, at least to some degree, in, in policy, because normally, I mean, you know, President Reagan and Paul Volcker managed to put rates up an enormous amount and ease fiscal policy dramatically and sent the dollar to the moon. Uh, at one level, the UK Chancellor and the Bank of England doing the same thing, 
and sending it, I don't know, to the floor. Those comments from Kid Jukes come as bets against the pound now show a 43% chance of parity with the dollar before year's end. Meantime, Nathan, Goldman Sachs and BlackRock are turning more bearish on U.S. equities, at least for the short term. Both warn that markets have yet to price in the risk of a global recession. Goldman is cutting equities to underweight over the next three months. BlackRock is advising investors to shun most stocks. And the turmoil in markets shows little sign of turning Fed officials away from hawkish policy. Karen Boston, Fed President Susan Collins, and her Cleveland counterpart Loretta Mester say additional tightening is still needed. Here is the latest view from Mester. So the FOMC is committed to using its tools to bring inflation back down to our longer-run goal of 2%. Last week, we took another decisive action to remove monetary policy accommodation. We raised the Fed funds rate by 75 basis points. Cleveland Fed President Loretta Mester says she'd like to see inflation cool for several months before concluding that it's peaked. And Nathan, there's at least one major investor who thinks the worst global bond rot in decades may be ending. In a tweet, Double Line Capital's Jeffrey Gunlog said, quote, the U.S. Treasury bond market is rallying, and he says he's been buying. And that's the five things that you need to know to start your day. Futures are higher this morning. S&P futures up 43 points, Dow futures up 277, and NASDAQ futures jumping up 164. That's up 1.4 percent. The 10-year Treasury down 27 30 seconds, yield 3.81 percent, and the yield on the two-year 4.24 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up 1.9 percent. And straight ahead, we have a look at your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports, and this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. It's 633 on Wall Street. We're at 60 degrees in Central Park. we got 30-minute delays getting through the Lincoln Tunnel after an earlier broken-down tractor-trailer. More coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on once you get in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. Hurricane Ian has made landfall in Cuba as it roars on a path that could see it hit Florida's west coast as early as a Category 4 hurricane by late Wednesday, early Thursday. It is threatening to become the worst storm to hit Tampa in over a century. In Key West, Mayor Terry Johnston says FEMA has been deploying food, water, and generators to the storm zone. We have started our preparations about two days ago. And, of course, all of our residents are buttoning up their homes, and that includes storm shutters and taking anything that could be a flying projectile and high winds out of their yard. Mayor Johnston says for now they have shut down City Hall. Ian is a Cat 3 for now. We're learning that a small tornado touched down on Long Island last Sunday night. The National Weather Service says an EF-0 twister hit part of Suffolk County in the town of Mattituck. No serious damage. Vice President Kamala Harris continues her Asian trip today, meeting with regional leaders in Tokyo, Japan, and attending the state funeral of assassinated Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. Harris spoke to reporters after visiting the Buddhist temple where Abe's private funeral took place in July. Last night, in fact, we uh, celebrated his life with a dinner that was hosted by the current prime minister of Japan where there were wonderful stories being told by people who spent time with him about his life and his legacy. However, more than half of the Japanese public opposed Abe's state funeral over the cost and the close ties that have emerged between Abe and more than half of the ruling Liberal Democratic Party and the Unification Church. 
NASA intentionally crashed a spacecraft into an asteroid in hopes of altering its orbit. The DART spacecraft slammed into Dimorphos last night, an asteroid roughly the size of the Statue of Liberty. Planet scientist Emily Lagdwala says this is the very first experimental step in understanding what humans would need to do to divert the path of something headed towards Earth. There is definitely a large asteroid that will hit Earth someday. Now, whether that someday is in 10 years, 100 years, 1,000 years, we haven't discovered yet an asteroid that is on a path that will definitely hit Earth. NASA says it will take a couple of months to determine exactly how much the asteroid's path was changed. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists, analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Thank you, Michael. 6.36 on Wall Street. John Stashauer has a Bloomberg Sports Update. Nathan, Monday Night Football and a whiteout at MetLife Stadium to see the Giants try to get to 3-0. They had a third-quarter lead after Saquon Barkley's 36-yard touchdown run, but Dallas came back. A Cooper Rush TD pass to C.D. Lamb with eight and a half minutes left. Gave the Cowboys the lead. They won 23-16. Lamb dropped a pass that would have been a long touchdown in the first half. Made up for it with the game winner that he caught one-handed. And Dallas has now won 10 of the last 11 versus Big Blue. Giants are 2-1. and one. They play Chicago Sunday. The offensive line needs to do a better job in pass protection. Daniel Jones last night sacked five times. They're a good front. They're a good defense. you got to give credit to them. Um, they played hard. Uh, but, yeah, I think there's things we can all do better with, with that. And uh, that starts with me and, you know, finding space to step up, finding space to move around the pocket and, and – uh, Make some plays. Tough moment late in the game. Sterling Shepard, the longest tenure giant who made it back from last year's Achilles injury, suffered what appears to be a serious, likely season-ending knee injury. Patriots QB Mac Jones has what's been called a severe high ankle sprain. He'll miss multiple games. Big game Sunday, Kansas City at Tampa Bay. Not known where that game will be played due to the impending hurricane in Tampa. In Toronto, Blue Jays came back, beat the Yankees 3-2 in 10 innings to prevent the Yanks from clinching the AL East. Another chance tonight. Another chance for Aaron Judge to hit home run number 61. Did have a hit two walks last night, but now six straight games without a homer. Mets host Miami tonight. Their lead over Atlanta down to one game with eight games to go. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Okay, John, thanks. 637 on Wall Street. Time now to take a look at stocks, some of the names moving in the pre-market. With Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent, Kriti Gupta. Can we call this a relief rally, Kriti? What are you watching? I suppose we can. It's a little bit of a, and this is the analogy I like to use uh, across programming, a little bit of a spring. When you have this much selling pressure, about five days of of losses, it's only natural to see this much of of a rally in the morning. So to see futures rallying to the tune of, I want to say just shy of about 1%, is it's actually pretty normal. The question is, does it stick? Um, I will tell you what rally is sticking, though, Nathan, and it's right here in the M- U.S. listed Macau casino stocks, Chinese mm. travel stocks as well. They are on track to rise for a second day. We already saw 10 to 12 percent moves yesterday in some of these stocks. Now, uh, it looks like they are getting even more of an investor bid this morning. So take a look at Wynn Resorts. W-Y-N-N is your ticker, up 1.8 percent. Melco is another one. M-L-C-O is your ticker, up about 3 percent in the pre-market um, and it's not just them you are also seeing the likes of grab for example grab is your ticker this is the southeast asian internet giant uh they are rallying about 1.1 percent so you see the adrs here um well 1.8 percent i should say now this coming after 
He talked about profitability in 2024. Remember, a lot of these newer internet companies, think uh, DoorDash, think Uber, they took a couple years to actually hit profitability to become cash flow positive. Uh, Grab going through the same journey. Uh, now expecting revenue to slow a bit significantly just because of the macro headwinds. No surprise there. But they're saying that recovery that comes after, that'll happen pretty quickly, and that'll happen in 2024. Interesting. We're also seeing uh, some profitability warnings, though, from a uh, consumer staples giant. Oh, absolutely. I'm a massive Dr. Pepper fan. Sure. Um, but, you know, when I moved to New York, everyone was like, Dr. Pepper, really? You like the fake cherry taste? And I was like, wow. yes, give it to me. Uh, There's you know, Dr. Pepper hate out there, isn't there? There really wow. is. But I think some of that hate might be reflecting in the stock this morning. Down 1.6%. KDP is your ticker. Goldman Sachs downgrading the stock to neutral because they hate the drink. No, I'm kidding. They don't. Right. <laughs> they, they're, as talking, they're saying that's executing pretty well in the tough environment. This is something you're seeing with its peers, PepsiCo, with Coca-Cola as well. But they're saying that the risk reward seems more balanced from here. It means that you're not going to get as much of a payoff uh, with this particular stock than you did perhaps before relative to its peers. So down 1.6%. KDP is your ticker. And of course, I'll leave you with one last one. MicroStrategy, MSTR, following the Bitcoin boom, now back over 20,000. MSTR shares up about 5%, Nathan. Yeah, seeing a 6% bounce in Bitcoin there. Thanks, Creedy. As always, Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Creedy Gupta with an eye on the early market trade and checking stocks as a whole. Before we uh, ring the opening bell on this Tuesday morning, S&P futures are moving up by 40 points, again, to 1.1%. Dow futures up 251. NASDAQ futures are higher by 152 points. The 10-year Treasury yield right now, 3.82%, a drop of 10 basis points. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunshine and low 70s today, mid-50s tonight under a clear sky. Sunny, a little cooler tomorrow. High near 70 degrees, only upper 60s for Thursday. Right now, 60 degrees in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Kara in Moscow. Futures are higher this morning. We go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. And here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Karen. That's right. U.S. futures are in the green right now. Dow futures up 270 points. SBs gained 42, while NASDAQ futures rise by 151. The U.S. 10 yield at 3.82%. Gold is up 15. Oil is in the green. And Bitcoin trading higher by 6%. Japan rose half a percent overnight, while over in Europe, European markets are posting modest gains right now. And back in the U.S. on the economic front at 8.30, durable goods orders at 9 o'clock, the house price index, and at 10 o'clock, consumer confidence and new home sales. In other news, Jeff Gunlock says he's buying treasuries, and Crispin O'Day says the worst is not yet over for the British pound. Wrapping things up, Terry, Dr. Pepper was kept in neutral over at Goldman Sachs. Live from the First Air Breaking News Desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? All right, Bill, thank you. To hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg type squawk on your terminal, S-Q-U-A-W-K. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael? Karen, thank you kindly. Florida is bracing for Hurricane Ian, now a Category 3 storm. Forecasters expect Ian to make landfall on Florida's Gulf Coast, possibly as a Category 
Cat 4 hurricane late tomorrow or early Thursday, dumping up to 16 inches of rain and bringing a storm surge of up to 10 feet to the Tampa area. Senate Democrats released a short-term government funding bill late last night that included a measure to speed up energy project permits. It is opposed by most Republicans and some Democrats. Monday night football, the Giants lost to the Cowboys 23-16. In baseball, the Yankees lost to the Blue Jays in 10 innings, 3-2. Aaron Judge still stuck at 60 home runs as he chases Roger Maris's 61 AL record. The Orioles beat the Red Sox 14-8. The Nationals lost. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Karen. All right, Michael Barr, thank you. 649 on Wall Street. Let's turn to news in science and technology now with the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report, brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, ranked one of the nation's most research-intensive universities by the Carnegie Classification. Learn more at njit.edu slash r1. And now here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. A large new study shows gene abnormalities may make some people more susceptible to myocarditis, a rare type of heart inflammation that can affect young people and athletes. The findings, published in the American Heart Association journal Circulation, could partially answer why otherwise healthy young people sometimes develop a condition that can lead to heart failure and sudden cardiac death. A NASA spacecraft has successfully crashed into an asteroid about 6.8 million miles from Earth. It was a test to determine if the impact can nudge the space rock slightly off course. The U.S. Space Agency is in the early stages of a plan to protect the Earth from asteroids. If measurements show the asteroid's course was even slightly altered, NASA will consider the mission a success. And negotiations between the Biden administration and TikTok over an agreement that would let the app keep operating in the U.S., are said to have stalled. Sources say the sticking point is concerned that Chinese ownership poses a national security threat. We're told an agreement would allow the platform to continue operating in the U.S. with additional restrictions on how data from American users is stored. And that's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Nathan. All right, Karen, thanks. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios where it's almost 6.51 on Wall Street. Time now to check what's going on in D.C. where some of the top stories include Senate Democrats releasing their bill to prevent a government shutdown, Vice President Harris to visit Korea's demilitarized zone, and President Biden urging oil companies to bring prices down at a White House competition meeting. For more, we're joined by Bloomberg Washington correspondent Joe Matthew, host of Sound On here on Bloomberg Radio. So, Joe, I know you've had plenty of time to digest the uh, continuing resolution that was just released by Senate Democrats (laughs) last night, night. and you can very cogently just... uh, Spell it out for us. What well, does yeah. it entail, Joe? You know, it's it's amazing, Nathan, that this is four days. We're getting this four days before yeah. the government potentially runs out of money. Uh, interesting to see what's in it and what is not in it. This bill does have money for Ukraine, more than $12 billion, a little bit more than the Biden administration actually asked for. And it would also authorize more money should it be needed. There's $2 billion for unmet needs from recent disasters. And that's important, of course, as we also... Uh, wait for another hurricane to hit here and a billion dollars for home heating assistance. You know, what's not in this bill, uh, though, Nathan, is $22 billion for COVID relief funding. And Republicans say, you know what? The president said on a microphone in front of a camera last week on 60 Minutes that the pandemic is over. So we're going with that. 
But there is, and when we talk to medical experts, a great expectation for a potential surge again in the winter, potentially a new strain. And there are going to be questions about why testing is not available, why we're paying for vaccines and so forth. And the Biden administration will likely take the blame for it, even though they ask for the money. So that's there. Also, the permitting bill that's been getting so much attention. This is Joe Manchin's energy permitting reform bill. Uh, it's not likely going to make the grade. The Senate tonight, Nathan, holds a procedural vote. They'll hold a cloture vote late this afternoon, and it is not expected to pass. The question is, what happens after that? Will this go as a clean bill to the House, or are we going to be wrangling over this a little longer than we thought? That's why when you get this close to the edge here, there are chances that things can go wrong. And if there's a, a day or two of a government shutdown, hopefully it'll just be over the weekend. Yeah, it's interesting because, of course, as you know, Joe Manchin went on the Sunday shows, Fox News Sunday, appealing yep. to Republicans to support that measure. What's the Republican opposition to this? Well, it's fascinating. I had a conversation uh, last evening on Sound On with Chuck Fleischman, Republican congressman from Tennessee, and he made it clear that Republicans actually support this reform in principle. But they've been burned, they think, by Joe Manchin enough times that because his name is on this, they're not going to vote for him. Now, granted, they think this is a bit less broad than they were hoping for. Republicans want to see uh, permitting speed up even faster than this bill would allow. But I asked him directly, if somebody else's name was on this, if the same bill came up with a different name post midterms, he said, yes, Republicans would vote for it. Wow. Is this something, this kind of dispute that could uh prevent the bill from passing and bring us the potentiality for a government shutdown at the end of the week? It's a fair question to ask, because, again, things go wrong when you get too close to the edge, or at least they can. But no one and I, it's it's important to tell our listeners this. No one of of any credibility is predicting a government shutdown right now in Washington. But we are playing games right up to the last minute. There's even talk that lawmakers may have to stay in town for the weekend to get this worked out. There'll likely be a bridge component in this legislation, Nathan, so they can buy a couple of days if it's not done exactly by midnight on Friday, and that's what would require them to work the weekend. We're going to have to give us a couple more days to figure out. Yeah, stopgap on top of a stopgap. We've exactly. seen that before in Washington. Let's move on to some of the other stories going on. We're following Vice President Harris on her overseas trip. She's in Japan for former yeah. Prime Minister Shinzo Abe's state funeral, but she's also added a very interesting stop uh, to her Asian itinerary. Yeah, to the DMZ. How about this? Uh, yeah. It's really it's interesting as the, the Vice President president tries to uh, kind of expand the portfolio or, or the president is doing this on her behalf, remembering that it was uh, a difficult first year dealing with issues on the border, although she became much more vocal as sort of the point person uh, post Roe v. Wade. That was something that she's been talking a lot about and has been out a bit on the campaign trail. This is uh, a big trip for her, though, internationally speaking, obviously meeting with world leaders from Japan, from Australia there, and now to the DMZ. That's not a lot you can do there, by the way. She's not going to be dancing around the border with Kim Jong-un the way Donald Trump was. Uh, but there's some meetings there. She'll meet with American troops uh, on, on, the, on that side of the line, obviously. And, and it really comes down to a photo op, Nathan. This is, you know, burnishing foreign policy credentials if she were to seek uh, the job of actually being president. You have to have that picture with the squinted eyes looking across the border to the North Koreans or maybe holding a pair of binoculars. You'll likely see that in the next couple of days. And while uh, the vice president's focused on geopolitics, we've got President Biden uh, putting his focus on the economy with a series of meetings this week, including yeah. a pretty interesting message to oil companies uh, during this uh, White House Competition Council confab job. 
Yeah, with with an ask or a demand even to lower gas prices. And it's look, the, it's interesting timing here because the White House has been taking credit for the fact that gas prices have been down over 90 days in a row. Might even be more than that at this point if you're keeping score in your home game. Uh, but <laughs> this has been one of the good stories to tell for the White House. They've been releasing a million dollars, uh, a million barrels, I should say, of oil from the SPR. They're talking uh, with exporters in the Middle East. They're dealing with the war impact or the Putin price hike, like Joe Biden says. And gas prices have come down from above $5. The problem is it's not uniform across the country. And, and it's particularly on the West Coast. Some folks are still paying a lot of money that does not exactly uh, jive with the price of crude oil. But as you also know, Nathan, it's not just the price of oil. It's about refining bottlenecks, and it's about the blend, whether it's summer or winter, that can go a long way to impacting prices. So it just might not be as easy, and it hasn't been for this administration, to ask the oil companies to act a certain way. Yeah, we've seen uh, reports of gas prices back up above $5 and then some in mm-hmm. California. Thanks for this, Joe. As always, yes, Joe Matthew, Washington correspondent for Bloomberg News, host of Sound On, which you can hear every weekday, five. 5 p.m. Wall Street time right here on Bloomberg Radio. And, of course, read more about all these stories we've been talking about on Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg Terminal. S&P futures right now are up 44 points, a gain of 1.2%. Dow futures up 285, and NASDAQ futures are higher by 158 points. That's a gain of 1.4%. Much more to come on Bloomberg Surveillance next with Tom Keen, Jonathan Farrell, and Lisa Abramowitz. For Karen Moscow, I'm Nathan Hager. This is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.